Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. I'm very excited to be joined on this week's show by Sendhil Ramamurthy, who is a different sort of guest for us. Not a, not a player or someone in the tennis world, but a big tennis fan and someone, happy to say, bringing tennis to a wider world through one of uh, the big shows of 2020. My, I can say not just sucking up here, Sendhil, my favorite new show of 2020 for sure. Never have oh, I Oh, wow. The, uh, Thank you so much. The, uh, the Netflix comedy created by Mindy Kaling and Blank Fisher, which uh, tennis, I got a lot of, as soon as the show hit, the stream, I guess, in April, I think. I got a lot of tweets from people saying, there's a lot of tennis on this show, and wow, John McEnroe's on this show, and it's it, people don't expect seeing tennis that much in the world. And obviously, you've done other projects as well before, Heroes, Flash, things like that, but uh, this is the one, obviously, nearest and dearest to, to my heart, and I'm guessing yours probably in some ways, too, with uh, the hundred percent. So yeah. thank you, thank you for being on here. Uh, first of all, thanks for being here. And now we've thanks for timing, timing changes. So thanks to your flexibility and everything. I'm curious. Yeah, let's just start with the the show. Uh, or I guess let's, actually, let's go back. Let's start with tennis. How did you get into tennis first? I know you've been a, a player and a, a fan for for a long time. Yeah, I mean, um, my my dad, my dad started playing tennis when he came to this country from India. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my mom and my dad came here for their residency. They're both doctors, um, and they they came here for their residencies. And my dad picked up tennis, and um, kind of put a racket in my hand from the age of two. Yeah. You know, there's video of me swinging my 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 dad's Wilson T2000, um, <laughs> Jimmy Connors racket uh, around, and um, I just have loved it ever since. I started playing, kind of like taking lessons and and doing like clinics and stuff. Um, by the time I was five, I played my first tournament um, when I was nine uh, and I won it. Mm. Oh, nice. And I played up, I played 10, 10 and unders and 12 and unders. I got to the finals of the 12 and unders and I won the 10 and unders. And then I just kept going, been kind of a lifelong thing. I traveled all around playing competitively. I got up as high as number 20, I think 28 in, okay. in Texas. And in singles and number four in doubles. And then I started to have a lot of uh, shoulder uh, issues mm. as, as I got older, around 16, 17. It got really bad, like rotator cuff injuries and stuff. Kind of left it for a while. Didn't really fall out of love with it. It's just like the pain yeah. that, that was associated with it. I just, I just stopped. And all through college, I didn't play. And then I picked it up again around 25, 26 and uh, have just kept going and going. I, I actually just finished playing a match. Oh, awesome! Before I, I play in a USTA league and a five O USTA league, and I, I was I was I was googling you before, just in your tennis, see what else was out there before, and you I did find some of your USTA pages, like some results or some some things. I don't know if you're playing in San Antonio. Is that is that you? Or yeah, with your name. That's you. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, that was me. That's yeah. I, I grew up in San Antonio. Right. That's where I played all of my junior tennis out of Texas, and yeah. spent most of the summers at Newcomb's Tennis Ranch, and um, or I, I also played at um, Texas A and M. Okay. Um, uh, I played, uh, you know, summer, summer, um, cl clinics and leagues there. And then, yeah, I've just, I've just been playing ever since I still play like two to three times a week. I'd say, uh, if I'm shooting, it's, it's difficult, but in the downtime, I definitely, it's my, it is my physical activity. And you, and you played in the, uh, you were the people who they, the USTA wrote up when you were playing in the US open sort of open playoff they had for wild yeah. spots into qualifying. What was, what was that experience like? It was going to be awesome. I was training. There's, I, put, I put video up on YouTube, actually, of me training for it. And then I think three days before it started, I got 
the sickest I have oh, ever been. Like the worst flu that I've ever had. And I couldn't get out of bed and uh, I had to default. Oh no! So, so I never actually ended up playing uh, playing a single match. I trained for um, eight weeks for it and oh. uh, and <laughs> didn't play a single match. Yeah, it's rough. It's a rough. It's a rough, rough sport that way. A lot of people have a lot of. So I guess last thing on your story of tennis, I guess, or at least my first thought. You, if you were playing up as a kid, that shows a decent level of ambition, I guess. Did you like have dreams of of being a a pro tennis player when you were? Hundred percent, hundred percent. No, that that it, it, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a professional tennis player. I just you know, sadly, wasn't good enough <laughs> uh, by a long shot. Yeah. By a long shot. You know, it's funny because when you watch it on TV, you're like, I could do that. Like I could hit like that. Maybe not as consistently, but I can hit. But it's a whole different ball game when you go to the U.S. Open, you go to the French Open, you go to Wimbledon, you see how these guys are hitting it, and you're like. I would lose in like 6060 to the number 800 woman in the world, like yeah. hands down. I, yeah. I like I'd, I'd struggle to get points, and uh, that's the reality. Yeah, no, that's a good reality check to have. And a lot of people, obviously, people watching just at home don't realize that. I'm curious. I'm curious, you from like a from a with your on screen experience, if you think there are ways that tennis could be you know shot differently, or if if some way that it could be presented more clearly on on screen for people that could better convey the feeling of actually being on court at that level. Do you, I don't know. You're not a cinematographer you know, per se, but I'm, I'm curious. if No, no, no. That. Because, because I was watching um, the, I guess they didn't really say the exact location. I guess they were trying to keep it quiet or whatever, but um, it was in Florida. Oh yeah. The UT, the UTR event, the, the UTR event. Yeah. Yeah. The, and they had a camera that was kind of like, it seemed like it was on a track and it was going at court level. And you could see the action that these guys were putting on the ball. It was, uh, I was watching, uh, it was Tennis Sandgren and I forget who he was playing, but you could see the action and you could see how fast they were moving. Yeah. And it is, it's next level. And I wish that, you know, cause I, I think in the, like certainly in the slams and like Indian Wells, or whatever, when you're watching it on tennis channel or ESPN, they've got the camera up in the, you know, it seems like it's in the stands, really. Yeah. And um, certainly at the U.S. Open, like at um, on Arthur Ashe Stadium, they've got the cameras up there. Yeah, they've got the guys on the side, but they've got the guys up there because it gives a great angle of the whole court. But you can't really see the action that these guys are putting on the ball. And for the UTR events and even for the Adria Tour, they were doing it. But having it at court level where you're not necessarily seeing – the faces of the players, which is, I guess, why they, they want it higher up. Right. But you're seeing their feet. And I care about their footwork and, and, and the action that they're putting on the ball. That's when you see, like, oh, yeah, I can't do anything like what these guys <laughs> are doing. Like, not even close. It's, um, it's, and I would prefer that camera angle. It's something we actually, I don't know if you I know you're an NCR listener. I did a show, went up this morning, you probably haven't heard yet, with uh, Louisa Thomas. We were At the end, we were talking about opportunities in these empty stadiums are going to have the U.S. Open this year to put cameras different places, to put them not just where the TV mounts are, but put them, you know, in the front row of the seating bowl or other places, which are usually great vantage points to watch tennis that are normally totally locked off for spectators. But you could put some cameras in there and get some pretty, pretty cool stuff for people. Absolutely. And you know who does do it is the BBC does do it sometimes in their mm -hmm. uh, their Wimbledon coverage. They're like, you know, in those little hovels where they put all the yeah. media people and you get that's those are the camera angles that I like. Like, I, I know what the players look like. I don't need to see their face. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to see I want to see that. But speaking of show, I have not heard the latest one, but I heard the one before the Martina Navratilova with um, oh, uh, with Glenn Greenwald. 
Oh my God, that was amazing. Oh, I loved, loved that podcast. I mean, right. see, I've been a fan of him just from like his political stuff and, you know, the, uh, what's it called? The WikiLeaks stuff and all mm -hmm. of that. And I had no idea that he was a, that he was a tennis fan and I want that movie. Yeah, that would be pretty good, right? It would be amazing. Yeah, he's, it would be he, so he was, cool to see. He was in, I remember the first time he tweeted at me, it was about some watching, he was watching some Andrea Pekovic match or something and tweeted mm -hmm. me about it. And I was like, it's just, I had to like triple check to make sure it was actually him because it made no sense. This guy with, you know, a million followers fighting extradition from, I don't know, 30 countries at a time or whatever, <laughs> has time in his busy world breaking life to, uh, to make, to, to, to sit down and watch that. Uh, some to watch Andrea Petkovic. Yeah, yeah, and Charleston or wherever. Well, I don't know where what term it was, but some like relatively minor tennis event that he was watching. I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah. And definitely. Uh, so I'm adding you to the pantheon of, of unexpected people here to be. Oh no, <laughs> I'm 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 happy to be there. <laughs> so uh, so never have I ever. This was this your first on screen role that actually involved tennis in any way that had a, no, a tennis component. No, I did. I, I did a, a movie that I actually produced and starred in in 2013. It was called okay. Brahmin Bulls. Okay. It got like a 10 city release in the US and then I think I think it's on Amazon still. Okay. That was the main thing. The main thing when I talked to the director, he wrote the role for me. I was like you got to put tennis in it. So there's it, it, I play tennis in the in the film. That was like my dream. I was like I'm too old to like they, first of all they don't make tennis movies and when they do they make Wimbledon with two people who clearly never held a racket before and I found it physically painful to to watch the movie and i and i i love paul bettany as an actor as well and and you know jonathan reese myers doing his thing but it's just like it was just really obvious that yeah. there was there was no there was no oh, I'm, I'm mixing the two i'm actually mixing up match point, match point as well and, which was jonathan yeah, yeah. reese myers yeah. and very clear that he didn't know how to play tennis but uh you know it's I want there to be a tennis movie, a proper tennis movie, and they've got to get somebody who can play. That's the problem. The Billie Jean King thing, the Battle of the Sexes yeah. movie, that was probably the best I've seen that I can think of that's coming to mind where, first of all, there wasn't that much tennis. Right. In it, so I guess that's the key. For a sports movie, not a lot of actual like competition. Yeah, not a lot of actual yeah. playing. Yeah, but you know, th there are tennis players uh, who who are at. You know, I've I played with Matthew Perry. We played a, mm -hmm. a he, he, you know, he was the number one junior in Canada, Matthew mm -hmm. Perry. Um, and we played a like a charity doubles match. It was me and Matt versus uh, Jimmy Connors and Vijay Amritraj. Oh, nice. Which was probably the most humiliating thing that either one of us has ever done. I'm, <laughs> I'm imagining it was it was actually broadcast on the tennis channel. This is like six or seven years ago, and oh, wow. they started to coach us in the middle of the match. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, "Move!" And these are two guys. They've each had double hip replacement surgery, and yeah, they not were young guys. Yeah, they were schooling us. Oh. Like they were like they that that muscle memory. They don't know how to miss, especially when they're playing guys like us like our yeah, level sure. it was it was unbelievable and they started to coach us in the middle of the match like during the point because we were all where we were all mic'd up yeah. uh, and we it was in calabasas and uh and they started coaching us and everybody was like laughing again we went with it but i was just like oh my god this is awful <laughs> <laughs> well it's good it's, it's better than the alternative of going out there with those guys and they can't play anymore like you do well, wanna, exactly you, yeah you want to if you want to go be on the court with jimmy connors you want jimmy connors to still do things that make you go, whoa, that's, that's still Jimmy Connors. Totally. And he, he was hilarious because his competitiveness is oh, like, yeah. there's, there's nothing higher. He, he, we were in the green room waiting to go on and he, in all seriousness and for 15 minutes made the case that Bjorn Borg won 
all those Wimbledon titles because he had the worst volley in the history of tennis. He's like, <laughs> you'd hit it and he'd just dink it over. He'd just drop it over the net. And there was like no defensive guy. So he won five Wimbledons because five Wimbledons in a row because he had the worst volley ever. And he believed that. Like that was <laughs> that was a, a, a true belief of his. I was like, all right, Jim, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you. You're Jimmy Connors. You got eight slams. But it's that competitiveness I don't think ever leaves the, these no. guys. And it's still sort of old sort of war stories and old bitternesses about bosses oh, yeah. who deserve. That doesn't go away for these guys that are competitive no. enough. No, that so, became very clear when I read Connor's, um, his uh, autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot, lot, of, lot of scorekeeping in his life in various different Absolutely. ways. Absolutely. For sure. So you mentioned Connors. That brings me to John McEnroe, obviously, who was a cool. rival of his back in late 70s, early 80s. And I guess they both played into the 90s as well. I don't know how much they played in the 90s. But John McEnroe is a big part of this show. And I know I saw another interview of yours prepping that you were a ball boy once yeah. for, a, for a, at a tournament in Texas. Where, where, what in tournament Houston. Texas was that? In Houston. Okay. It and was you, in Houston. And, and you ball boyed for, for John McEnroe. For John McEnroe. I story? can't remember who he was playing. But yeah, I ball boyed for him and he um, bro broke a racket. Um, I have the racket in the basement yeah. um, and it's signed. It says, uh, best, uh, best of luck. John McEnroe and it was like a, you know, it's cracked. And yeah, I mean, you know, he was, that, that was obviously just a huge draw for me. And I wanted a scene with him, but Mindy was like, no, you can't have a scene because spoiler alert, your character is dead. I'm not sure when I tell people about the show, I'm not sure how people tell that or not, because it's a spoiler, but it happens like the first 10 minutes of the series. The first two minutes. Yeah. yeah it was like, that, yeah. when I read the, the script, I was like, hello, I'm dead on page three. Like, what is <laughs> happening here? Why did you send me this? Uh, Mindy was like, no, no, no. You're going to be through the whole, you know, throughout the whole thing. You're a presence throughout the whole thing. And she was like, and I know you're a tennis nut. And we got John McEnroe to, to be the narrator. And he's going to have, you know, he's going to have a scene. That's part of the deal is that he gets to, he gets to be in a scene. And I get, cause, cause Mindy's parents, they were huge tennis fans oh, and uh, particularly uh, her father and her father's favorite player was John McEnroe. And so Mindy saw uh, Johnny Mac at the Vanity Fair Oscars party and was like, I'm doing the show and I've got this idea for you to be the narrator. Would you be up for it? And he was like, absolutely. And so that's how it came about. They literally like decided to do it at the Vanity Fair Oscar party. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was curious yeah, if you knew the story about that. Cause it's, it's obviously if you, you watch the show Davies sort of her obviously in the show her father is a big McEnroe fan and or tennis fan and McEnroe especially and so that's a through line to him and also she has these these anger issues which I think oh yeah she, which which are which are seen as parallel to a lot of McEnroe's personality uh so yeah so I guess for you and and you worked with Mindy previously on mm -hmm. The Office uh which I'm also a fan of Mindy also as a I was excited for this show even knowing that he wasn't on it because I've been nerdy enough about the office to, like look up which episodes she's written and watch oh yeah those because her episodes are like some of the best she, across the board they're some of the best unbelievable ones right writer. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely from Dundee's whatever else Benjamin Frank Ben Franklin a lot of, like yeah. name, name more but like her her yeah as a writer I think she's incredible so the her not being episode yeah is, exactly is, that, that kills me every time <laughs> so I'm curious for you, like when you get a role about tennis, like how much is it? Does it feel like even more natural to you to be a, a tennis fan guy watching TV? Do you still have to to? Do you feel like a responsibility to explain your to love of tennis to people? Because tennis doesn't get a lot of. I'm sure you're somebody who's sort of a, a you know proselytizing or preaching about tennis in your own time in your own ways. Like tennis doesn't get a lot of chances to be on big TV shows, no. or big movies, it, or anything like that. So like, what, it what really doesn't. What did you think of the opportunity to have tennis in these multiple different threads of tennis that were on this show? 
Oh, I thought, you know, I think it's huge because I, you know, I think that, you know, there's plenty of basketball movies, you know, everybody knows Hoosiers, everybody, you know, all of these, you know, uh, football, you know, any given Sunday, you know, yeah. you've got, there's, there's so many of the like American sports, baseball, you get Bull Durham, you got Major League, you got all these movies. You can't really name, a, like, there's very few tennis movies or TV series that I want to mention because I don't want people to go and watch Wimbledon <laughs> or go and watch Match Point and think that's what tennis is because you know what tennis is like the 50th most popular sport in our country like all of our best athletes go to basketball baseball football you know those those sports. on the men's side for sure absolutely certainly yeah. on the men's side yeah on the men's side yeah I should yeah, qualify yeah. that because for the for the women's side you know our, our women the U.S. women are you know unbelievable and not even just talking about Serena and Venus you know the people coming up you see Coco Goff you see McNally you see all these people coming up it, it makes me very excited for women's tennis in this country whereas on the men's side yeah we've got like Tiafo coming up we've got like a few youngsters coming up but I don't know I don't know like the, the breakthrough yeah. player for me I don't know that he's here yet I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I hope I'm the, wrong. To get the kind of McEnroe Connors kind of level player again, I think you're. I don't know that I see a one that I'm super confident in being that. That's obviously a very high bar to set. But uh, I yeah. don't know that I see somebody that level right now. And yeah, there's just a lot of other options for boys, and it doesn't. It's not seen as cool. And like, there's different threads of it, whether it's not being on TV. I think there's a lack of like a really great tour sort of simulating video game. It's been yeah, it's like 15 years, like tennis video games do not have their act together at all. I was actually no. talking about this today, like in terms of getting rights or whatever. There's a few that have like okay elements in different parts, even like Mario Tennis or something has some mm -hmm. okay elements, but like nothing that really is anything equivalent to like FIFA, which has made, no. I think, done a lot to make soccer more popular or whatever various NBA games have been hits. And no, because like, I guess the, the most popular that I can think of is like Wii Tennis, you know, yeah. that 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 was popular for like. 15 seconds you yeah. know and and then a fun 15 that's seconds it. but yeah but then, fun but then 15 <laughs> seconds but that's it you know and that's right you know i bet i never even thought about that that is that is the way forward is, yeah. is to have a video game it's a it's, big one it's a big missing it's more than more than a movie more than a tv show anything like that. if you get the kids into it through video games yeah. then we're gonna have like the number one player in the world on men's and women's side but t TV is another thing that I didn't do think it's important. I do. I played uh, my other sport. I played when I was a kid. I was better at than at tennis is hockey. I saw. Okay. And I saw. I was just old enough to where I saw the arrival of more and more kids after the Mighty Ducks movie started coming out. Mm -hmm. And that was a big, big driver of kids wanting to play hockey was the Mighty Ducks movie. Oh and yeah. So and so that like I feel like there is a moment that tennis could still have uh, through some sort of way, or even just whether even just making it cool for parents to watch and the parents get their kids into. It doesn't have to be directly. Maybe to the kids, but hopefully, yeah, some some more things like like never have I ever in the culture, so to speak. I yeah, think can't can't hurt that. I know, I agree. Working with having seen John McEnroe up close in person, obviously on court and watching him on TV on court, he's done a bunch of different things on screen in his post playing career. Obviously, he's a commentator on famously, but he's done a lot of like I watched a lot of Thirty Rock. He's done a ton of Thirty yeah. Rock camp, did a, third, a lot of Thirty Rock cameos, other shows as well. Done a couple game show hosting kind of things as well. I'm curious, like when you see his on-screen sort of charisma, how much do you think that's exactly the same skill set or person as his on-court charisma and his persona there? And how much is he tapping into something totally different? Or how much is that a, 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 sh a shared thing, a shared energy? It's, it's definitely a shared energy. I mean, he was he was very much himself. Like he was, um, 
he was actually like slightly annoyed while we were shooting. He was only on set for that for one day. Like we had him for like six hours and then he had to go. And I, I was on set that day and he wanted to be like in shorts and a t-shirt type thing, but they had him in a wetsuit, like going about to go out surfing and it was really hot. So he was not like super happy about that yeah. anyway, just cause he was hot. So he was like a little ornery. He was, he was, he was John McEnroe. Like it would yeah. have been weird to like go and meet him and talk to him and kind of like have him be this like super nice, you know, genial yeah. guy. No, it wouldn't have worked. So he's, he's, he is, he is what it says on the tin. Like yeah. whether, when you meet him and like he brought that to his, to, to the role as well. Up for sure. It's it's something that I've noted. I've been seeing him. I remember even the first time I think I saw him play in person because I was obviously not really around during his main playing career. But I saw him in a world team tennis match in gosh like oh eight or oh nine or something when he was long retired but still playing and he was still like really competitive and still like genuinely yeah. getting mad at umpires and mad at calls and like annoyed with his teammates for letting him down and like various things and just like I was like wow like it's sort of a little scary that it's not an act that he can't, he hasn't sort of found peace even in his, you know, I don't know if he was probably in his fifties at this point. Like yeah. he's still like he's, the fire is still in him and it's still very much who he is. It is very, very much like he only knows turn it up to 11. Like there's, there's really, I mean, did you, I, I, I loved it when they were showing him, uh, you know, coaching against uh, Borg at the labor mm -hmm. cup. Like he had, that same fire, that same, you know, yelling everything as the coach of the Labor Cup yeah. team. I mean, that's, that's just who he is, you know, and, um, and obviously it served him really well. Yeah. You, you know, I don't, uh, there's no point in trying to change that because, you know, for the most part, he, he plays himself certainly when he's going on these TV shows and stuff. I don't know if you caught Serena's Law and Order. Oh, which is the basketball player, I think. Right? She was the basketball player. I was like, yeah. you've got like the greatest tennis player of all time playing basketball. Like, okay, fine, fine. But, you know, she wasn't playing herself. And maybe that was something that she wanted because she she wanted to, you know, stretch herself she, as an she actress. She talked about that a lot, you know, 15, 20 years ago in her career, how she wanted to act more, how she wanted to do different things, how tennis was going to be a sort of short term gig for her. And yet here she still is, her and yeah. tennis playing. You were just saying you, you watched uh, that match. Uh, oh, Venus, yeah. Her, her and her, Serena and Venus, their 31st match in one of their most unique matches, obviously, being in front of, like, no fans in Lexington yeah. in the second round there. It was actually really good. I mean, we could talk It was amazing. Like, yeah, I mean, there was, was really like, a, there was a little bit of rust, but for the most part, like, I mean, they were moving amazingly well. I mean, th a three-set affair. Like, it was, it was really, really great. I, I enjoyed watching it. I've enjoyed watching all this tennis. I know, like, you know, we we came into each other's orbit because of the COVID tweet, but like I kind of almost feel bad because I watched all of it. I thought it was so wrong, but I watched every <laughs> single match of the Adria tour. You know, I watched every single one. I watched Dominic team do his thing. Like I was watching all of them. Even the, I, I think, I guess it was in Germany or something, the betting something yeah, or bet, the other. Yeah. Bet one, which was like, actually like I looked it up. It's like a mattress company or something. It actually doesn't have to do with betting. It's just oh, named. Oh, bet. I thought it was a betting company. I thought yeah. it was too. And I go, I was like, what is it? I, I thought, cause usually there's like some rules against betting in tennis sometimes. And I was like, yeah. that seems a little flagrant, but I think don't quote me on this folks, even though it is on the air here, I think it's like a <laughs> mattress company or something. I'm not sure, but it's not, not gambling. I'm pretty sure of that at least. Yeah, no, I mean, anyway. I was, I was watching all of it. Yeah. So I don't agree with it. I, I I don't think they should have done it, but I was I was definitely happy to watch tennis. I'm curious. Yes, I'm curious what you make of just sort of 
you know, I think people probably equate a lot of like what athlete behavior to like sort of typical movie star behavior is like in terms of having entourages, in terms of having maybe egos about themselves or like, you know, being self focused or self centered, whatever positive or negative connotations that can have uh, for a competitor performer. And I'm curious what you, I, I remember you have, a, you had a, one of the tweets of yours was about, you know, ripping Zverev, obviously, who was out yeah. after, after Adria tour, uh, partying, you know, he's supposed to be in quarantine in some like, you know, beachside Monaco. Totally like, shirt off. Going yeah, exactly. Just like, like just like doing like, so, so seeing that I'm curious, like what you, if that hits at all, these moments have changed your perception of, of pro tennis at all or, or players in it or, or what, what the moments, how they're sort of rising or not rising to this uh, occasion. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I've thought about this a lot actually. And I think it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, to get to where they've been, to get to where, you know, Dominic teams, Verev, Djokovic, obviously, you know, one of the greatest of all time, mm -hmm. they have to have such belief in everything that they do in every facet of their life, whether yeah. it's, you know, tiddlywinks, they're going to win or they think it's right. Or whether it's, you know, the yeah. Wimbledon final or whether it's organizing the Adria tour, you know, yeah. and they just, they go into everything with the belief that what they're doing is right. And what, how they're doing it is the best way. And it's really difficult to, I think it's really difficult to change that, but it's people's health. I mean, people are dying. Hundreds yeah. of thousands of people are dying. And I think at that point, I would hope that even somebody with the biggest ego could shelve it for a little bit and just not put other people at risk. Like, fine if you don't care about yourself. Fine if you think you're invincible. Fine if you are in top peak, you know, peak physical condition and you never get sick or whatever, but you've got people, I mean, I saw maybe a handful of masks in the entire um, uh, stadium at the, for the Adria tour yeah. and people were packed in like sardines. There was no social distancing. There was nothing in it. It actually made me anxious yeah. watching it. I was watching like this because yeah. I was so anxious when they were hugging at the net and shaking hands and the, the ball the ball kids all of it it made me so anxious but it was like watching a train wreck you know yeah. you're just like you don't want to look at it but you're like well it's Djokovic so I'll watch you know yeah. it's like you don't know what to do and it was so it was so like unapologetic in the way it did everything basically it was just like oh such, yeah like, it was so clearly committed to to saying like we're not a part of this pandemic or we're not you know we don't we're not flinching in any way we're doing this and we're exactly we're into it yeah which which made every other event being be like it had any restrictions people be like no 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 we're better than adriator because we're doing this this and this it made it like it was such an extreme example that everyone else got to dismiss it because it was you know not comparable to what anyone was else was even thinking whether other events later on were good ideas or not uh, and i think a lot of them can be debated on individual merits or even just as a thought idea if we should be playing much of any pro tennis during a pandemic but yeah. uh but yeah but adria tour was so so far to one extreme that it was but but also totally the the, scale. Uh, the apology the, the faux apology afterwards it was such a sorry not sorry i mean it, it really but from both from from Djokovic and from um uh dominic team dominic team sorry not sorry was was you know it was just yeah. like i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do 
you know, and Dominic team does do that. I mean, look, do you see him? He's rocking the frosted tips, popped collar. <laughs> like I was like, what's up, Dommy team? Like, all right. Like he is not afraid because that is, that's not a great look. That's bold. And I think maybe, maybe, maybe I think there's just different metrics for frosted tips and pop collars in Austria. I think it's probably, I think there shouldn't be any metric for, for frosted tips. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to pop the collar, I guess pop the collar. I know Nick Kyrgios does it every once in a while, yeah. but the frosted tips, that's a bridge too far. I would, I, I can't, I'm not saying I've ever applauded that look. No, no, yeah. that's, that's a lot. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, yeah, and Zverev has not apologized. He's not, I don't think he's coming at anything that, that, so yeah. we'll see how it comes when they, if they do all show up to US Open and they start doing press conferences and they get asked about this so more directly. So where, where but, are we at with that? Because Djokovic has just announced that he is going to play. He's confirmed Nadal, he's coming. definitely not. Yeah, no, I think the ones who are playing Cincinnati are going to start coming to the US. We're recording this on Friday the 14th. Uh, they are coming to the u.s this weekend i guess because Cincinnati wow. is starting on monday so that's right they, they will be i guess a lot of them have buys probably so they probably won't play the top top players <laughs> until tuesday but yeah they're uh they're coming it's i i've not really you know i don't it's one of those things i don't think the u.s open is happening because the u.s open is necessarily ready i think right. that it's happening because it's late august this is when the u.s open happens and it's sort of entrenched in the in the calendar there and they wanted to hang on to their dates and they think they can do it i think it's you know pushing it to say yeah. at least a lot to have this big international flotilla of people coming and bending all sorts of quarantine rules along the way in terms of getting travel waivers and whatnot but uh it i think now it's it seems like it's happening it would be a very very late call off with a lot of i think a lot of athletes already are in the u.s and already i already think they are yeah yeah so yeah. it's yeah it, at this point it's it's happening i was pretty doubtful i was gonna i think as of like maybe even three or four weeks ago i thought there was definitely less than a 50 percent chance it would happen but what, uh, what I don't know is what, is what is the protocol that they have set up if inevitably somebody in somebody's either a player or, or a, somebody on their team yeah. is going to test positive? Like, what are, yeah, what are they you going to do? Yeah, have, they have rules that, that USA sent to the players, and I've seen a copy of it, and I'm happy to send you a copy as well after this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, of saying, basically, like, they're, if, you're someone, if you test positive, you're out of the US Open. I, think they may, right. I don't know if they have a provision for, like, a second test, because there have been some false positives that have come up yeah. in, in various arenas. I Yeah, they're going to have consequences if anyone on your team does that. And also now they have a, a stricter code of conduct, which is a big thing. Okay. Uh, where if you go out and, you know, are caught breaking the bubble, they have much more enforcement, which they originally had this sort of trust policy of things. And I think Zverev, honestly, was probably yeah. the one who showed that you can't you can't trust people to make their own smart decisions because I love I love Kyrgios calling everybody out. He's yeah. just not afraid. It's very rare that I agree with Nick Kyrgios, but he he was on it. Did you see his dear tennis um, thing? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> good for him. Good for him. So two two last things. I'm curious for you, what tennis player? Maybe Nick Kyrgios is the answer. Maybe not. Which tennis player you think after seeing McEnroe's transition to being do a lot of different things he's art collector and all sorts of other stuff he does in his life now but mm -hmm. to being on screen which current tennis person do you think would be the best sort of on-screen presence now who would you most want to in like you know 10 years who do you think as as a as like in a commentator role or like doing i mean more doing what you're doing doing what i'm doing huh that's interesting i mean honestly like i could see serena giving it a go after mm -hmm. she retires like I could see her, you know, wanting to do something like this. I think Kyrgios would be great. I think, you know, a lot of the, 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 the characters, like some of the, like, you know who I think would be great is somebody like Pablo Cuevas, you know, okay. if, yeah. if, if he could, because he's such a showman 
on the court with those crazy shots that he hits. Like, you need to have that flair or yeah. that, that, that theatrical, theatricality. And he, he has that. You know, I think he would be great. Um, I think Diego Schwartzman would be amazing because he's pick. a showman. He plays, he plays up to the, to the crowd. And I love that. He hits an amazing shot. He'll give it this. You know, he's doing his thing. Like, it's got to be somebody like that. Cuevas would be somebody I can imagine if people pick him because um, he's a little bit obscure outside of your totally. But yeah. if like he's somebody, if he gets in like the rotation of guys who play like the Legends doubles events at Grand Slams, mm-hmm. he'd be so good at that. He's played a little bit of doubles. He's gotten some results. I think probably needs to, and they do have some technical cutoffs for what you have to do to get into those events. But yeah, he's a super, super charismatic guy. That's, that's a that's a good deep cut pick. I'm impressed by this pick. I gotta say, I think I think him because you know, speaking of the Legends tour, like. He's the he's the next um, what's that guy's name? Barani? Bar- uh, yeah, Monster Barami. Yeah, M- Monster Barami. He he's the next one. Like exactly. he's the, he is the logical successor. Like for for sure, I love watching him play. He's crazy. That's, that's a tremendous shout. And then so last and the last thing, if there would be like a tennis story or something that you think is worth the of, of it's, it's talking about a real life story if, if there is one of a, of a player's mm-hmm. career of a of a moment in tennis of a incident i don't know of something that you think would be worthy of, of turning into the next you know, great do you know great who tennis movie i think that she obviously has accomplished so much in, in in the sport like it's it's not like she's lacking from accolades but i think people kind of because she hid her emotions so much on court and um was just so business-like about going about there's a story for, with chris everett Mm. I would love to see a Chris Everett story. Like obviously Martina, you know, from your, from your previous podcast, I was like, God, I want to see that movie so (laughs) badly. I want to see that movie so badly because there's that, that natural story coming from an Eastern Bloc country coming over here, you know, doing that, that lends itself to that. But I, there's something for me about people who are just, dogged who just because that's kind of like how i see myself on the court certainly yeah. is like i may not be the the fastest or the strongest or the but like i just kind of try to fight for every point and that's what chris everett did and i would love to see her story kind of um pursued either in a like a kind of narrative sense or like a you know last dance type situation um okay you know for for her that would be to me that would be awesome to watch i'd watch every episode of that last dance i feel like the i feel like williams would have to have some sort of last dance moment at some point definitely the yeah they seem like the most like obvious last dance kind of thing i mean well, so they're, much, they're, also, they're pretty close yeah she had her hbo thing you mean on yeah. hbo yeah, yeah. and I, I watched every episode and i yeah. thought it was amazing but you know it's um i i would i i don't i feel like she doesn't get the credit that she deserves for what she accomplished because it is it is absurd what what she did and like the win streak that she went on and i mean it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's unbelievable and uh i i feel like she should get more of a um more of a shout out for that so if i had to pick one person it would be it would be chris everett yeah that's a good pick. yeah no chris everett definitely and i feel like the kid i feel like martina for some whatever reasons has a more sort of lasting people talk about her more as a player I feel yeah like chris everett even though she has similar numbers is sort of overlooked and yeah more well because martina only stopped winning slams like 10 minutes ago what she won from <laughs> when she was like fifth with with uh, leander pays i was like right. oh my god what are you doing yeah. you know and that was only like whatever maybe 10 15 years ago so she's very much still in people's uh in people's heads yeah that's a great pick and thank you eddie that's a great been great talking to you 
overall across this. Thank you very much, Sendel, for uh, oh, thank you. Have you been able to play? You, so you've been able to play tennis relatively uninterrupted during this during this time? Uh, you no, live in, it was in New York area. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I play it at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. Oh, sure. That's okay, that's cool. that's the club that that the I, well, there's like five of them. I play at two or three of them, but uh, they were shut down for a while, and uh, obviously they just they took the bubbles down because you can't do indoor tennis. And now um, we basically go, you play with uh, separate balls, you mark them, there's uh, hand sanitizer all over the place on the court. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a sport that you can play socially distanced. And, yeah. you know, we, I did, th there was a big break where I couldn't get on the court. I went and I hit on the wall in the park. Mm. I was just hitting on the wall. Uh, and, that, and now we're back into full, like, USTA league matches. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things, with, one of the ironies of tennis, like as much as I think it's like the toughest sport to get the pro level back to where it was in terms of travel and everything, I think it's going to be mm -hmm. really, really hard. And so it's so disparate and everyone having their own travel schedules glow popping constantly from a recreational level. It's kind of the best. Totally. Of, yeah. In terms of ball sports, at least, because you're far, far apart from people, especially singles. Mm -hmm. like, you're not really in any danger of tennis and golf. Anything. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Ben, thank you too. so thank much, Thank you very man. much, Sendel. Yeah, thank you for listening to NCR and for uh, supporting the show all these Oh, all these man, times. I'm all over it. I tell everybody <laughs> to listen to it. I've got my whole team listening to NCR now. Oh, no, tremendous. The, 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 I, the, all of us are listening to NCR. We text about it back and forth. <laughs> They're totally going to be listening to this. Tell Courtney I'm sorry I missed her. I know. She's sorry um, I missed you, too. Reem, also big fan of yours. She sends her uh, love as well. I'm yeah. sorry I missed her, too. Please say hello <laughs> to both of them. And... <laughs> um, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that tennis is back. Excited to have it back for sure. Well, yeah, we're going to do more and more shows. I got to figure out what US Open and NCR coverage will be like now. I know. I really, hadn't really been game planning for that, but now we got to figure out what to do during uh, pandemic coverage of a uh, I guess so. podcast. We'll see. It'll You'll figure it out, Ben. We'll I have faith. <laughs> Thanks, Sendel. Appreciate it. All right, Ben. Take care. Right, have a good one. You too. So thank you very much once more to Sendel Rama Murthy for being on the show today and thanks to him for listening and thanks to all of you for listening to ncr as i mentioned there at the end courtney and i are gonna well first of all courtney and i are gonna do a show the two of us first time in a while original flavor ncr uh sometime soon this week so look forward to that before the tennis restarts talking about what's happened in tennis these last few weeks as we have some real tennis to actually discuss now and also then we're wondering what to do about coverage for this u.s open this will be our first time covering the u.s open remotely each of us are covering a Grand Slam remotely in a long time, at least for me in the history of NCR. That uh, might actually, uh, yeah, more or less that's true. And so, yeah, I'm curious what kind of stuff you guys would like from us during the US Open. We could do certainly more shows than we usually can, probably. I'm not sure what the workload will be like. Might be more, might be less. Who knows? It's going to be different. So if you have suggestions about what you'd like from us for the US Open, that would be fantastic. And we'll happily take those. And any suggestions at no challenges remaining at gmail.com is our email address. You can also tweet at us, ncr underscore tennis. And I want to send special thanks, as always, to our Patreon backers who help keep the show going during these strange, uncertain times. Uh, we're at patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. We don't have any new backers to shout out since our last show, but want to thank, as always, our Slam Champ level backers who get thanked on every show. They are Audrey Wellens, Joseph Har, Susanna W., Eric Carrillo. Liz Kennel, Chuang Nguyen, Jonathan Weinbaum, and Betty. Also want to thank our goat backer, J.O.D. Again, if you want to join us on Patreon, we would love to have you there. Patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. We just put up the third and final set of our Codenames game videos we did with me, Courtney, Reem Abelail, and Anjabur, who was great fun to have join us there for our 
nonsense. So thanks to Ons, thanks to y'all, and hope you have a beautiful day. It's a beautiful